1: All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back into Diamond Bets, your favorite baseball show done by at least some of your favorite baseball people. My name is Matt Stryger, and joining me as he does each and every week is Joe Pizzapia, the author of the Black Book Series, which as an investor, Joe, has changed the way I look at baseball players, changed the way I look at prop bets, everything. So on behalf of the community, thank you so much, and good morning. Good morning, my friend. I always
2: feel like this is a great way to end the week, start the week. I don't know how people think of Sundays. I know technically it's supposed to, uh, you know, be the beginning of a new week, but really it feels like the ending. Either way, we're happy to be here with you. And every single week here on Diamond Best, we're going to recap the week that was in Major League Baseball and look ahead to the week that's coming. So we are going to be that perfect end and beginning to your weeks. And who better to spend that with than Matt Stryker and myself? I mean, come on. And and Matt, I know it's spring training and it's only spring training and everybody likes to throw that caveat. But I don't care because it feels good to be seeing baseball. There's a lot of exciting stuff going on in spring training. And I think so far it seems like we're heading to a very exciting season and a season where there might be a lot of unknowns, which I think brings a bit of drama to it and I think is going to make for a very exciting 2021
1: yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly, and I think everyone out there watching on SportsGrid, listening on stations like SiriusXM 204, they understand that simply baseball coming back is exciting, but as a person that wagers on baseball, it has started to really supplement my income. Anyone can do it now because of all the information that's out there, so I think the information is our best friend, so I'd like to get to that. There are some news and notes that you wanted to discuss. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting time, and hopefully we're all going to win some money.
2: Well, and if you want to win some money, today's the American League show. So we're going to talk about every single division, the win totals. We're going to go through it all for you, including our picks to win the American League championship. But like Matt's saying, it's all about the headlines, so let's get to them. Well, med fans, see, when you think it's too good to be true, it probably is. Have we not been conditioned to this already as med fans? Carlos Carrasco, remember his elbow? Well, that's okay. Now his hamstring is torn. Six to eight weeks, we're going to be missing Carlos Carrasco Uh, So that's two months. For those of you who are bad at math, that's going to be a long time. The good news is Francisco Lindor is having at least contract extension talks with the Mets. Now, he has said publicly that he is going to uh, either have an extension before opening day or not going to talk about it until after the season, which is usually the standard athlete fare. The Brewers uh, reigning NL Rookie of the Year and relief pitching stud Devin Williams uh, making his debut that is very good news, too. He was dealing with an injury. He was absolutely lights out last year. And there's even some people that are kicking around the idea that maybe Williams should be the closer and Hater should go multiple innings and maybe use the bullpen that way. We shall see how that all works out for the Brewers. And surgery not recommended for Fran Valdez and his fractured left ring finger. This has been a crazy story, Matt, going back and forth for the last few mm-hmm. weeks. Uh, first, he breaks the ring finger. Everybody goes, oh, OK, well, he's going to miss a couple weeks. Then all of a sudden, the report 24 hours later came out that he could miss the entire season. And people said, what? How could that be? Apparently, he's healing fast. Things look good. That's a positive. They're still going to be without him for a significant period of the season, it feels like. So I don't know who gets back first, Carrasco or Framber Valdez. But in your Uh opinion, if you had to take a a guess, which one do you think is a better investment going into the season, knowing that both of these guys are probably going to miss at least the first six weeks? Who knows, maybe more? Do you have a feeling about either of these two pitchers?
1: Well, it's a three-word phrase that I've used quite a bit. I'm not afraid to use it, ladies and gentlemen. We welcome everyone in listening across the world on their radios. This is Diamond Bets. As a reminder, we come your way each and every Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, a show about baseball by baseball fans. My name is Matt Stryker. Joe Pizzapia is with us each and every week, and he's the guy we lean on heavily for a lot of our information. We're talking about Carlos Carrasco, Framber Valdez, the injuries to pitchers, and Joe is asking me which pitcher I would be more interested in. Well, overall, as a wager, I'm looking at the team's win total. That, to me, is far more important. And I think both of these pitchers, when healthy, contribute to their respective team's win totals. As individual wagers... I would stay away play. Three words that rhyme that I am not afraid to use. And as an investor who believes my money is best served with me, I'm not going to venture out with an investment unless it's a risk investment or an HRV, a high risk, HRI, a high risk investment. Carrasco, Valdez, these are high risk investments for me. I'm staying away from both, but I'm keeping an eye on their team's win totals as we move forward. Yeah, I'm pretty sure an HRV is uh, something you drive off the lot. It's like a new sport
2: utility vehicle. <laughs> or would be, something, guess, something you probably don't want name. to have, depending on where you're or from. <laughs> or something, you something you caught on the road, and you're really looking back in the decisions you've made in life. But either way, you're absolutely right, Matt. And, and I look at these two pitchers, and I think both of them are really linchpins in their respective rotations. Both the Astros and the Mets have their designs set, obviously, on the playoffs. However... I think they're both the number two guys. We don't have your number two guy in the rotation. For remember, Valdez was an automatic quality start machine last year. And I don't think that should be overlooked because the Astros definitely need some help in that rotation. McCullers was up and down. There's a lot of youth in there like the Christian Javier's in the world. We'll see if Jacob Rizzi can find his spin rate and make everything work as well the way so many guys have when they've showed up in Houston over the last few years and kind of remade their careers or jumped a level, and that'll be fascinating to watch. But Fran Valdez, very important. Carrasco, maybe even more so, because without Noah Syndergaard, who is also not going to show up probably till late summer, this Mets rotation's a little thin. Yes, Marcus Stroman's there. Of course, they have Jacob deGrom, but the rest is still a little bit in question, so we shall see what goes on. But no matter what, Francisco Lindor is the priority. I don't think you make that kind of deal and not give him the extension, it feels like he wants to be there. It feels like the Mets want him. He's so young. It makes sense. You're not extending a guy who's at, you know, already 30 years old. We'll be right back. We come back here on Diamond Bets with American League Day. Stick around. We'll be right back.
1: All right, folks, welcome back in. This is Diamond Bets. We are about to dive into our AL win totals, breaking them down by division, East, Central, and West. Joe Pizzoppia, I am curious to hear your thoughts, so let's get it started.
2: Well, you know, it's American League Day, so we're going to be going through all the teams and the win totals, and we're going to start with the division that obviously has more competition than maybe we had thought a few years ago, and it is the American League East. The Yankees sit at the top at 95 and a half. Uh, then the Toronto Blue Jays over on FanDuel at 86. The Rays right there with them at 86 and the Red Sox at 79 and a half and the Orioles at 63 and a half. So we can kind of take these one by one. And I think if we start with the Yankees here, clearly this win total is based on the offense and based on the the tax that you pay on the Yankees, right? They are a national team. They are the New York Yankees. They're the gold standard in sports franchises. So there's always going to be a premium tax. But the 95 and a half actually seems kind of reasonable to me. The thing you have to hope for is that rotation. There's a lot of questions after Garrett Cole. First question is, what are you going to get out of Corey Kluber? If Corey Kluber can get anything close to the old pitcher he was with Cleveland, That would be an incredible win for the Yankees and probably be a lock for the over on this win total. But Corey Kluber looks more old than he does look like old Corey Kluber, and I think that is the problem we're worried about going into this season. And even if he could just be the innings guy and maybe 85% or 80% of the pitcher he was, that would make a huge impact. You need Domingo Herman, You need Jameis and Tyon. You need innings out of a lot of these guys. And I think there's some questions around what you're going to get. Sure, David Garcia is a very exciting young pitcher, also. So they've got depth in this rotation to get through. The bullpen already took a hit with Zach Britton missing some time here with uh, an elbow issue. So, Matt, when you look at this Yankee team and see this 95 and a half, do you think this rotation and bullpen can get them over that number in what could be a very competitive division for a change?
1: Well, it's the right question to ask as an investor. Looking at year over year, last three years in the market, we've talked about there have been more strikeouts than actual hits. And I think that's something also, given the fact they're talking about a dead ball coming, I need to look at pitching more when I'm looking at win totals for teams overall. You bring up a lot of good concerns. Some names you mentioned in there, though, are going to be uh, contingent as far as how the win total is going to work. Delby Garcia for one, Clark Schmidt to a lesser extent, Jordan Montgomery as well on a back end of a rotation. Most people, going to look at the Yankee bats and see this and say, oh, come on, this is a 100-win team. I think the way these odds are placed are correct. The question is, is it over or under? That 0.5, that half, I mean, listen, they know what they're doing when they lay these odds for us, so we have to make the right decision. I'm still going to go on the over because I feel that there are enough arms on this team and bats for them to figure out how to win that point half game to put me over the top.
2: Yeah, I'm going to lean towards the over on this one as well. And it's also because the Yankees can afford, once again, to make those kind of deals that will be a difference maker. If it's adding a Herman Marquez, if the pitching is having a problem or pulling off some other blockbuster deal, they could do that because they still have a very good minor league system. They have the Clark Schmitz and some other young pitchers that they could move or even young position players and continue to get better because they are the Yankees. Last year, everything was kind of frozen in 2020, which is why I thought it was going to be the year of the Rays. And sure enough, guess what? We said it on this show, and it was the year of the Rays. They almost won the World Series one game away. But I think when you're looking at the Yankees, it is probably going to be an over. It's not an extraordinary over, but I think the over somewhere on 97, 98 wins sounds about right. I don't know if it's a 100-win team currently constituted. Then you have the Blue Jays and the Rays, both at 86. Both, you know, different brands of baseball, I would say. Uh, the Blue Jays have a very young, exciting, athletic team. And then the Rays are the absolute epitome of – specialization in major league baseball right they play to the moment every single time and it's not always the most fun for your your fantasy wallet it's always the most fun thing to watch at times because it's so hyper specialized but you know what the end of the day they find ways to win games i'm concerned with the raise 86 of these two and the reason why i'm concerned is because you lose blake snell and you lose charlie morton year over year and although charlie morton started the year off rough last season When he got the velocity back, he was dominant in the postseason and the World Series. So for me, I don't think you could take two big-time pitchers away from a rotation and still be a team that wins 87, 88 games. I think that's asking a lot. And they they did get some talent back in some of those trades, and I know they're going to manage this bullpen, and they're going to have openers and closers and guys who pitch this guy and guys who pitch that. They have all kinds of plans. But at the end of the day, I don't think Randy Rosarena is going to be as transcendent as everybody else does. And I think of these two, I actually prefer the Blue Jays over to the Tampa over because, once again, the Blue Jays have some players in that system. They'd be willing to flip and kind of win now and compete. And they've shown by signing Springer and Simeon that they're kind of in this thing for the right now. How do you look at these two teams that have the same exact win total going
1: into the year? Well, you're asking the right, the right question. And right as we came on, I started rubbing my mustache and beard or where the goatee would be, mm. because that's what I do when I think. When you present me with two teams, the same exact win total, and you ask me to choose one and go one way or the other, I'm going to start looking at a lot of the same things you were talking about. But I've never discounted Tampa. Look, as a stock, that company has always performed. They've done it from within. They have no reason to think that they won't. But, yes, that number 86 poses a problem. When I look at Toronto, I'm far more attracted to them overall, both individually in a day trading way to use the stock term as far as getting money out of baseball goes, as well as the long term. I don't know if Toronto has the same pitching. Now, if a young guy like Nate Pearson, whom we'll talk about later on, or if Robbie Ray can find form and the bullpen can be what Toronto went out and bought it with the intent that it should be, then Toronto should get past their 86 wins. Toronto, maybe even a dark horse to win the entire division. And we'll look at those odds later on as well, but I'm not ready to discount Tampa out just yet. So since I'm apprehensive, I'm going to keep my money. I'm going to put it on the over for Toronto, even though I kind of want to be in on Tampa one way or another. Yeah. I, I think Tampa might be the stay away. I can certainly see that, but
2: Um, When you talk about Toronto, I think they've done a good job of bringing in assets over the last few years. You know, last year they brought in Tywon Walker and that worked out well. They also brought in Robbie Ray that did not, but there's still time for him to turn that around. They brought in Ross Stripling, another pitcher that at times for the Dodgers has pitched very well. So they've done a very good job of bringing in some assets, bringing in some, uh, some pitchers, especially that you could say, okay, can you get us the quality start? Can you get us to the bullpen? And we'll see if Kirby Yates can bounce back and be the Kirby Yates of old. And that would be very important for them, obviously, because Ken Giles was a piece in that bullpen. They were all very excited about. It. He was pitching great, and then the injury happened. So, I just worry about the Rays overall. I worry about the offense, and I worry and and I understand we always do this every year. Everyone worries about the Rays, and the Rays become a team that's hyper competitive in a playoff team. Uh, and then we have the Boston Red Sox and the Baltimore Orioles here at the bottom of this division. FanDuel has the Red Sox at seventy nine and a half, which seems like a really good number, just slightly under five hundred. And then the Baltimore Orioles at 63 and a half. And when you see a team that's so low, it's hard not to want to go with the over. But I look at the rest of this division and I feel like the Orioles really are going to be looking up. I don't love the Orioles number. It feels really spot on. And I think the Red Sox are basically a 500 team. It's whether or not you think they have anything that can push them significantly over that mark or under that mark. And I got to tell you, as far as looking over, no Chris Sale, as much as I love Eduardo Rodriguez, the rest of that rotation does not look great. The bullpen has some question marks. We hope JD Martinez bounces back. We assume he will, but that's a dangerous assumption. So to me, of all these numbers, the Yankees over, the Blue Jays over, maybe the Rays under, that's kind of it. The bottom of this division, I just don't see where you're looking, where you feel really strong about either of these overs. If anything, would you consider the Orioles under at 63 and a half?
1: So I was given great advice early on in my waging career. And now that I'm getting a little older, it seems to be more and more important. So anytime you say throw away play, it's stay away play. Why would you want to throw it away? So these two things are the Red Sox and the Orioles uh, win totals. These are stay aways because it's just so volatile. They're asking you if the Red Sox are just a tick under being a 500 team, how are you going to reconcile and have that conversation with yourself and feel confident to put your money down there? There are other places to put your money that you can feel far more confident in my opinion.
2: Yeah, for the Red Sox, if it was a healthy Chris Sale to start the season, I think you would go okay, or right. even maybe a month into the season. But again, we don't know what we're going to get out of Sale when he does show up, and that's the question. When we come back, we're going to turn our attention to the Central in the American League. Those win totals are fascinating. You're going to want to hear about them. When we come back.
1: All right, folks, welcome back into Diamond Bets. And I got to tell you, we have a great crew behind the scenes here. And while it can come off as a serious show, occasionally our original producer, Chris Kofsky, will just chime in one of our ears and yell, South Beach, baby, for no reason whatsoever. (laughs) But he's getting us pumped up here early in the morning as we start to look at some AL win totals. Joe Pizzoppia, let's dive into the AL Central because I think this is a place where a lot of my money is going. I think there's a lot of opportunity here. You? I do, too. There's a
2: lot of opportunity for our producer, Chris, that obviously spring break is on his mind right now. He is ready to go. He is wooing as we speak. Woo! He's ready to go. He's so excited. Spring break is almost upon us. But look, I don't usually do this, but there is a a number on this board that I am just really excited about. And it's the Chicago White Sox 90 and a half. And I understand it's kind of a high number to be so excited about an over. But I love this team. I love it. Top to bottom, from the first hitter to the ninth hitter, from the rotation to the bullpen, they went out there and got themselves Lance Lynn, who's quietly been one of the best starting pitchers in baseball over the last two-plus years. They've added into Giolito, who looks like a bona fide ace. You've got Dallas Keiko as the number three. still got guys in the tank like Dylan Cease and Lopez, and who knows, maybe even Michael Kopech at some point in time this year, making an impact either in the bullpen or in the rotation that is an incredible mix right there, not to mention the reigning AL MVP in Jose Abreu, Luis Robert, who we only scratched the surface of, Eloy Jimenez, my boy, Tim Anderson. You've got a manager now in Tony La Russa, who certainly um, I'm pretty sure is familiar with winning and winning environments. He's won a lot in his career. And then they addressed the biggest problem, which is having a shutdown closer, and they brought in Liam Hendricks. This team went out there. And has been very aggressive in terms of starting the clock on their young players, extending them, proving out to the fan base that from day one, we care about winning games. It's not so much about the back ends and arbitration and salaries and all that stuff. We're going to be there day one opening day. They did it with Luis Robert. They did it with Jimenez the year before. And guess what? They're going to do it this year probably with Andrew Vaughn also, who's going to be there ready to go and absolutely locked into that DH spot. And this is a, a lineup that doesn't quit with a manager who obviously can't quit and 90 and a half. I look at the rest of this division and I see this is a very easy over. I really do. And usually easy and, and overs or unders don't usually go hand yeah. in hand, but Matt, I feel so strongly about this one because I think this white Sox team got a taste last year and I think they're ready for the whole bit of the pie.
1: Yeah. So there's a couple of things I'm looking at when I look at the White Sox over. So the first thing obviously is going to be looking at the rest of the teams within their division, because this is going to be a scrappy division. How much is it going to impact this team's win total? Secondly, I'm going to look at that Yankees play and ask myself, this means that they think they being Vegas or the odds makers that the Yankees are five and a half games better than the White Sox. And that to me It just, it informs a decision. I think you're right. I don't think the White Sox are a 100-win team. I don't think they might even be a 97-win team, but they are certainly an over 90-and-a-half-win team, even if Minnesota, Cleveland, and the Tigers all beat each other up with Chicago in that mix throughout the season. They're still going to find a way to get to, to 91. So I'm in on it on the over, absolutely.
2: And arguably the best player in this division was Francisco Lindor, and he's not in this division anymore. And that is a big difference. Now, they don't have the best pitcher in this division. That still goes to Cleveland. We'll get to them in a second. But the what? Minnesota Twins are second at 89 and a half. And my trouble with the Twins is this. You know, Kenta Maeda had a great run last year, but it was a short run. Can he do it over 30 starts? That is a huge question. Jose Barrios has pitched sometimes like a number one Sometimes he pitches like a number three. There's inconsistency there where he hasn't really gotten to ace level because he hasn't found that steady strain of maybe like 10, 12 starts where he looks like an absolute bona fide ace. He has these dips at times, and that is always concerning. Nobody loves Nelson Cruz more than me, but he is another year older. Josh Donaldson, another year older, still battling those those calf issues that Mm -hmm. tend to keep reoccurring for him. Uh, Will Byron Buxton continue to progress? Will he become a player that does live up to his Eric Davis style hype at some point in time. And he very well might, but do you see what's going on here? I keep asking a lot of questions and I think when you have questions, it makes a number like 89 and a half really tough because 89 and a half is a really good team. Like this is a team that is in the playoff, probably somewhere in that, you know, peripheral for a wild card. And I just listed a whole slew of questions there. And I want to get your take on the twins because it's still a very good team. They still have a lot of good players I just don't know if year over year, this team is going to track in the same direction. It feels like a team that's kind of needing to reinvent itself a little bit. And maybe the Kirilovs and Trevor Larnix of the world are going to come up at some point this year and be that kind of turning over of the organization and getting a little younger. But Matt, how do you feel about this 89 and a half? Because this feels like a stay away for me. If anything, I might even lean towards the
1: under. Well, it's a great conversation to have. And part of my process is to have the talk aloud conversation with myself to listen to the words I use. And I heard a word that you have used quite a bit when talking about Minnesota. And again, I like to use these rhyming mechanisms to remember things because my memory is awful. I stiff the if, not the if bet, but you're asking so many if questions. If this, if this, if this, if this. I stiff it. I push it away because I have to keep asking all those questions all those unknowns, all those variables, it starts to lean into, ooh, stay away, stay away. Another thing, this entire division is going to be strikeout central. The White Sox lineup is going to strike out a ton. The Twins lineup is going to strike out a ton. Miguel Sano on his own is going to strike out a ton. (laughs) So there's a lot of ifs. And a big if for me with Minnesota is, if Mitch Garver returns to form, something we have to look at. And there are some ifs on the back end of the bullpen. So that 89-and-a-half is a trick play in my mind. It jumps right out because if the White Sox are 90-and-a-half, you have to ask yourself a question. Does that mean that the Twins could possibly outright win this division? If you're a Twins fan, you say yes. But with so many ifs, I don't want to put my money on if. So Mm -hmm. it becomes stay away play. Yeah, I'm with you on this. The,
2: the next one is Cleveland, which is fascinating because Cleveland probably has the deepest rotation of anybody. And over this 162, the question is, what are the innings for those arms? I don't think anybody's worried about Shane Bieber. Um, then you've got Plesak. You've got Aaron Savali, who looked really good at times last year. I know Plesak has struggled in the spring, but it's just spring, so we don't want to hyperventilate about that. Tristan McKenzie's there, too. So this is a, a pretty darn good rotation when you look at it. We'll see if Karen Jack is ready to be the star that some people want to anoint him as the back end of this bullpen. And yes, they did lose Lindor, but they did add Eddie Rosario for some depth into that order. And he's a very underrated player. And that's a player that they plucked from Minnesota. So there you have it. There's a little bit of a a turning of the tide. Jose Ramirez was an MVP candidate last year. You know, outside of that year, a couple of years ago, where he uh, struggled mightily in the first half. I think it was what, the beginning of 2019, I believe. And then after that, it was just, unbelievable gangbusters ever since I think you look at Jose Ramirez and you look at Rosario you say okay Fran Reyes there's enough thump in this lineup and they have the x factor of the manager I think Terry Francona is a phenomenal yes. in-game manager and I think that is enough for me to look at that 81 and a half and say you know what I kind of lean towards the over here with Cleveland and the reason being they have pitching they have depth of pitching and they have managerial talent and I think over the long haul That will serve them well in the ups and downs of the marathon season. But what are your thoughts on Cleveland? Do you think this young pitching is enough to get them over that 81 and a half?
1: I look at the number and I ask myself questions. And the first question that jumps to mind is it, mean that minus Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco, this team now becomes just a game and a half over 500. And immediately I hear the little voice in my head said, no, that's not the case. This team is an over 500 team. You mentioned all the names and the reasons. Of course, the guy sitting on the bench cross-legged is a huge, huge factor for me when I'm looking at these kind of win totals where I'm on the fence. Because again, we're just looking to move it a game, maybe half a game." guy like Francona or a guy like Bieber even Tristan McKenzie comes up and has lights out fastball those are the things that can shift it to where I want it to be I'm in on the over for the Indians this season then there's the Kansas City Royals who we keep talking about
2: might be a really competitive team I mean Whit Merrifield we already know big fans of him here on the program he is our unofficial mascot I feel like then on top of that we've got The addition of Carlos Santana, you hope the rebound of Hunter Dozier, who they signed to an extension. Maybe you get Soler to bounce back in that power department too. This is a tough team right now. The question is the pitching. Brady Singers looked great. Uh, I don't think you have to worry about him. If they can get a young pitcher like a Daniel Lynch to kind of take that next step, he has been a little up and down this spring. But to me, at 73 and a half, it's almost begging for the over because I think they're slightly better than people are giving them credit for. The problem is they're playing in a division where any given night they're going to face Bieber or Lucas Giolito or somebody like that or Jose Barrios, and that's tough. And I think that's why Kansas City, maybe it's a slight over, not very much, but I think they're closer to a 500 team than they are to a 70-win team, so maybe like a tick or two above that 73-and-a-half, maybe 75, but I would go slightly over here on the Royals. And then the Tigers at 67-and-a-half, once again, it's very difficult when you have these teams that are in the 60s because you usually want to go over with them. But I can't see it. And I don't know why they would start the clock on a lot more youngsters this year, because it just doesn't seem to make sense because, you know, you're not going to compete. Give everybody a full year in the minors. But what do you think about Kansas City and Detroit? Because to me, you know, these are still teams that are on the right track, but that track is Mm -hmm. really tough right now, considering the teams at the top.
1: So again, asking myself questions, if I'm willing to say that the White Sox are the over and the Indians are the the over, that means somebody is going to have to take the brunt. Someone's going to have to take those losses, that half loss, that one and a half loss games, because I have to get the other way. Kansas City, I'm sorry, is going to be that team. It's the under for me, and it's because of the pitching questions. It really is. And like I said, somebody has to take the punch for someone to knock them out. Flip it over. The Tigers... I like this team. I think there's plenty of young names on both sides, on the pitching side as well as on the hitting side. If a guy like Spencer Torkelson or Isaac Paredes can come up and do what they're supposed to do, and the pitching staff can rise even to a modicum of what their sensationalism is supposed to be, this Tigers team is going to be an over. Well, one of
2: those Tigers made our list in our next segment, which is three up and three down. Three players who are having really good weeks, and three players, eh, not so much. Who are those names? We'll stick around and find out. We'll be right back with more Diamond Bets right here on Sports Grid. We'll be right back after this.
1: Welcome back into Diamond Bets, as we all do. I'm constantly checking my device, keeping up with everybody. Thank you for joining us out there on social media. Love some of the posts, even though we can't read some of them here. You guys are great. <laughs> all right, Joe Pizzapia, let's get into three up and three down. It's three players that are having a good spring training week and three that aren't doing so well and how they might, or at least you, might try to scare us all into staying away from certain <laughs> players. So go ahead, Cookie it, Man. The- the posts that you
2: you can't read are always the best posts. The ones you can't read oh, sure. on air, those are always the greatest. Uh, but we, we love the fact everyone's listening to us on Sirius XM 204 and watching us on sports grid. And I can't wait for baseball season to start because I think this show is gonna be red hot uh when it does. Because what better place when you get two hours of just pure baseball talk from the way that we watch the game now? I mean, this is talking about wagering yeah. and, and all of the effects from it, and I think that is gonna be fantastic stuff. So we're going to give you that spin here, which is very unique because nobody else is really doing that except me and this guy, Matt Striker over here. So let's start with a guy who is up. Here's the three ups. And oh my goodness, Shoei Otani. Look at him putting on a show. Woo-wee! 600 batting average, 10 runs, four bombs. This guy is crushing everything. Now the pitching's been a little up and down, but I just want to put this out there. If, if, if Shohei Ohtani <laughs> keeps hitting in any form like this, and even pitches 100 innings that of quality baseball this year, how do you not give this man the MVP? Nobody has done this since Babe Ruth, okay? And I understand that I've been a tough critic of his and saying, you know what, maybe we should just abandon this. But if it's working and you can get him and keep him healthy on the field, and keep that bat in the lineup, and he actually succeeds... Matt, this could be the story of 2021. Shohei Otani could be something that we have never seen in our lifetimes. We've only read about in books and watched in documentaries. A two-way baseball player, which is something that, again, you know, you've had a couple guys like McKay with the with the Rays and some other guys in recent years where they said, "Wow, he can pitch too," but let's just convert him to a position player. In this, the Angels still have yet to do this. He has flashed some brilliance as a pitcher sometimes. Obviously, spring training, he's working out some kinks, he hasn't pitched in a while. But if what I say is true, and you keep this bat, and this bat has the kind of season it's capable of, and let's say he wins you 10 games too as a pitcher, how do you not vote for him
1: as MVP? Well, I think you have to talk about Shohei Otani the way that the fantasy sports community talks about him, which is Shohei Otani batter and Shohei Otani pitcher. When you're talking about the MVP MVP, The people that are in charge of this award, and you and I have gone back and forth, it's a media award, and I think it should be statistical, and there should be some darn integrity, but it seems that they're going to have to look at him as both, because if his hitting alone is enough to put him in the conversation for MVP, then so be it. But if you tack on, like you had mentioned, the possibility of even 100 innings, you know, a, g- a handful of great quality starts with, with some impressive movement and some velocity and some strikeouts, things like that, then yes, you have to look at Shohei Ohtani as the complete player. But discussing him as Shohei Ohtani batter or Shohei Ohtani pitcher is another fun conversation to have. Uh, I'm more interested in Shohei Ohtani the pitcher. And later on, we're going to look at the Angels' win totals and see how it. Uh, contributes to that, but Shohei Ohtani, the batter right now, says more to me about the hitters around him, and how much more valuable they become if he continues to, as they say, rake.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Look, they have a big investment on him, and it's time for him to really return that investment, because I don't think so far he has, and I think the Angels know that, and he knows that, so this is going to be a pivotal year. For otani because if it doesn't happen in 2021 i think it'll end up being a failed experiment overall already and that's what Mm -hmm. three years into it now and this is going to be third year into it and i think that's enough to say okay this isn't working uh next is a guy that is working right now for the cubs jock peterson now, the on-base percentage has always been high. The batting average, not so much, but the power has been there. And maybe a change of scenery and just letting this guy play every single day is the best thing for Jock Peterson at this point in his career. You look at the spring numbers so far, five home runs, nine runs scored, 10 ribbies, he's hitting five hundred. he's hitting everything. He's got 13 hits already in this spring. He's got an everyday gig. Uh, at times, you know, the Dodgers are going to Dodger you. They're going to, you know, bump you out and play the, you know, the lefty-righties as much as they want, and – it's always knocked me out because it's so chicken and egg, Matt. And and you probably more old school like me, where you know, you want a guy to get better hitting lefties, but you never play him against lefties. How in the world is he ever gonna get better against lefties? I mean, what are we wanting? I mean, Mike Mustakis was not good against left-handed pitching early in his career. He was dreadful, and they let him play through it and then he turned things around. And I think this sure. is a great opportunity for Jock Peterson now to get out of LA into a nice hitter-friendly environment, in Wrigley Field and prove to everybody that he can be an every day, just leave him and set him and forget him kind of guy. So what are your thoughts on Peterson this year in
1: in the new Cubs uniform? So looking at Peterson as I would day trading stocks, as the season goes on, this is going to be a fun play for me. It allows Jock Peterson to be a baseball player on a club filled with baseball players and and let that sink out there and looking from the top to the bottom. You know, with Ross being the manager now, this is a team that, like you said, there's not going to be any pressure. It's going to be fun. Uh, Those of us that have played any kind of organized ball, even Little League or even any kind of work environment, gosh, you know, when you go to work somewhere, even if you're, you know, Jane the accountant, when you go to work somewhere and you like the people with whom you work and uh, everything is cool and fun. You don't mind going to work. It's not a four-letter word. But if you have to drag into the office and you hate that person over at desk number two, and, oh, there's Johnny, and he's going to tell me about his weekend. Ay, ay, ay. Chuck Peterson is out of that office. He is now in a fun place, and I'm expecting some nice things out of this ballplay.
2: Yeah, by the way, Jane from Accounting, really good uh, left-handed batter. Just want to put that out there. Good <laughs> left-handed batter, decent arm in right field, too. I just want to put that out there. So, Jane, we wow, know. We scouted you left you. know right fielder yeah I mean, daryl strawberry left-handed right fielder that's
0: candidate.
1: right so jen now, now i all i see from jane in the county is daryl strawberry in a wig
2: so thank that you it's not a good image you're welcome everyone <laughs> happy sunday to you here from diamond bets all right let's get to a pitcher here in three up uh this guy's going to be opening day starter again for the miami marlins and sandy alcantara and sandy alcantara right now looks pretty good yeah the walks are a little high But how about those 19 strikeouts in 12 innings? Uh, He's given up just seven hits, too. The whip is 1.18. Despite the high walks, you're still getting the low whip because of the hits because guys have trouble squaring this guy up. And this guy has flashed electric stuff over the last couple years. And if he can just continue to find that consistency and settle in, we keep talking about this Marlins team being a little bit better than people realize. And it's not a fluke that they made the playoffs because that pitching was so good. Chances are the war of attrition of the season will eat up the Marlins. However, before it does, this is a team that's going to be, I think, right there because of this pitching. Once those guys start hitting 100 and 125 innings, that's when things are going to get a little wacky there because Hernandez, Sixto Sanchez, I don't think they're ready quite for that August, September run. But in the meantime, guys like Alcantara are really going to be leading that charge. And this is another exciting pitcher in the National League East to really be concerned with, and he looks like he is ready to go and worthy of that opening day starter gig yet again.
1: Yeah. So a lot of my ESI or early season investment is going on to Miami, Miami pitchers. I'll be day trading a lot with this team and these players. I'll be looking at some short term investments as well. Alcantara is one of the guys also because of the high strikeout rate. Uh, a lot of the guys in the rotation are exciting to me as, a, as an early investor. That's one of those stocks where I want to get in, make my money, and then I'm going to use those profits to move into the, the dog days of August and September, like you mentioned.
2: Well, there's some dog days of March for some players too, Matt. So
1: whenever there's three (laughs) up,
2: there's three down. And let's start with Keston Hira. It has not been a nice spring. Spring has not sprung a turnover Keston Hira so far in spring training. He's hitting a buck 54 with four hits, a 531 OPS. Not a slugging percentage. That is not a typo. That is an OPS, a 531. Gross. I want Keston Hira from the AAA years where he was Mr. Contact. So he's does Milwaukee. Hit, oh, my God. He's been trying to hit home runs since he came up there, basically. I feel like they brought him up, and he was great, and then they sent him down, and everyone said, why'd you do that? And then ever since they brought him up that second time, he's been a little home run happy, and I don't like this. I don't know if this is him. I don't know if this is Milwaukee doing this to him. Stop it. Go back to being Keston Hura, who just hits the ball all over the place and hits a bunch of doubles, and you'll hit home runs in Miller Park. It's a very hitter-friendly environment for home runs, They will come. I don't I don't like this. I don't like this trend. This is frightening to me right now, because if Keston Hura isn't right and Christian Yelich isn't right, it's gonna be a long year for the Brewers. And the Brewers, I think, should be a team that well outperforms their expectations again. But he is not off to a good start. I know it's only spring training, but I'm coupling this with some of the deeper stats from last year, Matt. And I think it's a troubling trend when you look at Keston Hura.
1: Yeah, so if you're the type of investor that's looking to bundle stocks on the offensive side of the sport, I think you have to take into consideration we're hearing a lot of talk about the dead ball. So take it also into consideration how guys have been changing their launch angles and things of this nature. It's altered swings. So if this ball is going to be dead, as they say, Guys are going to have to learn how to alter their swings again. Does Keston Hura have that in him? Does the Milwaukee coaching staff have that in them to start to tinker? Because, Joe, you brought up a great point about being homer happy, so on and so forth. Uh, It's a bit concerning here. Granted, it is spring training. But if I am looking at some individual player investments, i got to keep a closer eye on Hura because uh, he hasn't shown me the sample size yet. The stock hasn't performed overall yet to give me confidence.
2: All right, dad joke alert. Sean Doolittle has done very little this spring to feel good about. That's right. And I got to ring the bell here. Kofsky, ring the bell whenever we do the dad jokes here. But look at this. This is terrible. There we go. Dad jokes. There we go. <laughs> four innings pitched, 10 hits. He's walked seven guys, given up 11 earned runs. And yes, that's correct. The ERA is 24.75. And he's given up four home runs and four innings. Now, yes, it's spring training, and sometimes the wind blows out in the little tiny little adorable ballparks in spring, but I don't care. This is not good. It's good for Amir Garrett because it's probably going to mean he's locking up this closer role for the Reds. They brought in Doolittle hoping maybe he could compete for that job, but this does not look like a guy competing for that job. This looks like a, a guy competing to get DFA'd at the end of spring. So this is not a good look for Sean Doolittle. Lucas Sims is still battling his way back from an injury. I think it's Amir Garrett's role to start. And if he does not struggle at all, I don't see him giving up that role at any point in time this season. Cause if it ain't broken the ninth inning, you don't try to fix it. Amir Garrett has closer mentality, but Sean Doolittle right now. Oh, Matt, these are some ugly numbers and yeah, it's only four innings. Yeah. It's only spring training. I don't care, man. This is ugly enough that I think they should be concerned. And the Reds got rid of Iglesias. They got rid of Archie Bradley. (sighs) There's a lot of lack right now in the Cincinnati Reds bullpen and Doolittle is not making you feel warm and fuzzy.
1: Yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly. And if you're looking at and next week, we'll do this dive into the National League and look at win totals. I really want to see what Cincinnati's number looks like, because to your point, if that bullpen is going to be shaky, it's not going to be encouraging. Uh, Doolittle's been on the, the regression now for the past couple of seasons, in my mind, as an investor. He's not someone that I've been confident throwing my money at. So I want to make a dad joke about like, do, little do, you get a little duty? but my, my kid is exponentially younger than both of yours. Yes. So I can't ring the bell there. So there you go.
2: I, I think you could. I think you look. Every dad's gonna ring the bell for the ring it. it, ring the bell for the dad joke. Uh, well, it, uh, wasn't, it wasn't even a joke.
1: Uh, it was like, hey, Chris <laughs> Koski Kr- okay. is in our ears going ding, ding, ding. <laughs> All right, can we ding him and go yeah, to our well, last one? Because this is a, this okay. is a big one for a guy that's down. I don't want him to be down moving forward because I'm looking well, to invest in this player and this team. I know we tease it at the break but
2: 6 innings so far not been good 8.53 ERA for Casey Mize the whip is where the ERA should be I <laughs> just want yeah. to put that out there though the whip is 205 the ERA is 853 he's walked more guys than he struck out so when young pitchers are struggling with their control that's not a good sign it means there's still some work to be done Casey Mize is a phenomenal talent I don't think anybody should be worried about the long-term aspects of Casey Mize yet but certainly he's not doing enough this spring to break camp He's not doing enough, I think, this spring to make people feel good about him in terms of a 2021 investment. But long term, still the guy, him and Matt Manning, still a lot of upside. Just right now, not having the best spring. So that's a three up and a three down. When we come back, we can talk about opening ballparks to capacity or at least 20%. Yes, fans in the stands. We come back on Diamondbetts.
1: Right, welcome to Diamond Bets, and ladies and gentlemen, you need to understand how your hosts operate. So off the air, Joe and I are making a personal wager. I'm trying to send a video to my mother, bless her heart, and her response in text is, oh, my phone doesn't get videos, and yes, it does. I said, oh, do you use this carrier? No, I use this carrier. That must be why. So Joe has now come up with a solution, but I'm wagering odds here that my mother will not be able to download the video. Joe, what is your solution?
2: Well, well, first of all, I have to understand this. Does your mother have a smartphone or does she have – Yes. My mother has a flip phone still, okay? Fair so enough. your mother is already – Yes, so she has the device that so is she, capable. Yes. She has a device that is capable, step number one. Step number two is I think what you do is you drop it into a Google Drive or you drop it into a Dropbox. Kind of <laughs> she can't her. download Wait, a video. Matthew, or, Matthew I have to do? drive? I can't she drive, Matthew. Now it's raining. You can't drive. Are you going to drop the box in front of my house? How do I – what's the exactly. postage on the box? i don't understand no but what what you have what all you do is once you have it in the folder does she have email can she open up a link in the
1: email she has indoor plumbing electricity here's the deal man i'm giving five to one odds (laughs) all right so on the other side of our two joe and i are going to come up with a way to get my mom the video so let's get up on social media let's start taking the action now we're going to have our producers and our audio techs in on this one five to one odds i'm saying matt's mom gets the video five to one odd says Matt's mom can figure out the video Jody you have faith in Matt's mom
2: I have faith in Matt's mom but I think if you just send her a link you and faith she can in just Matt. click on it and it goes right to the link there and to the video I think it you're should okay be that easy it should but <laughs> okay. you know it's it's not you know how many times I still get a text from my mom that says one of one where she has not completed the text <laughs> message she's accidentally <laughs> sent it ahead of time and you people out there know this you know what this is like. Anyway, oh I know we're gosh. supposed to talk about other stuff, but we'll talk about that now or two because these are the important conversations that I think need to be had here on air. We come back. The American League West is ahead for us, plus some really oh, important questions. We're going to round again. the bases. Oh, no. This is going to continue. And we got a little around the diamond, too, with some of the latest news and notes from Major League Baseball. We're only halfway done. We'll be back with more diamond bets right here on Sports Grid right after this. Send a link.